0: And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about the, the concept or the theme, or the doctrine of the family of God. And this doctrine has become uh, really important to me and has really changed the way that I understand the gospel. And my objective over these next four weeks is, is that you guys would see uh, just how the concept of family uh, is, is an inherent part of the gospel uh, and that it would affect the way that you guys both relate uh, in the church, uh, with each other, and, and directly to God. So, uh, and just to give a quick overview of the series, what I'm planning to do is this first week, uh, talk about the establishment of the family of God. Second week, I'm going to talk about how we relate to God, the Father, and God the Son, uh, as His family. And uh, third week, I'm going to talk about our, um, how we relate to each other as siblings in the family, and uh, in fourth week, we're going to talk about application and, uh, and some things to be careful about uh, with this teaching. So, um, so as I was preparing this week, I, uh, some of you know, I've been out of the country uh, a lot for the last two years, uh, and I didn't have access to news very much, um, so I was getting caught up on, on things that happened. And I came across uh, two triathletes uh, and you guys may have seen this story. I didn't. Uh, but back in September, uh, they were competing in a race uh, in Mexico. And it was the world championship for uh, triathlons. Um, and these guys are Olympic athletes. One of them won the gold uh, in Rio. And as as they were uh, finishing the race, um, Johnny, uh, the younger of the two, who has never beaten uh, Alistair, the older, uh, was actually winning uh, this race. Uh, and he was 400 meters from the finish line. And, you know, tri- triathlons are, are quite an ordeal. So, I mean, it was right at the end. Uh, and he started to basically suffer from heat exhaustion, 400 meters away from, from basically his first major uh, win. And was going to basically take over first place in the world for triathletes. Um, and, uh, and Alistair comes around the corner, uh, and sees Johnny, uh, and recognizes very um, immediately what's, what's happening. Uh, and instead of, uh, going past him, blowing past him and winning, uh, the race, he stops, uh, and helps, uh, Johnny and, and actually carries him, uh, across the finish line. And, and as they're reaching the finish line, he pushes Johnny in, in front so that Johnny uh, basically beats him, uh, and then Alistair uh, uh, takes after that, and, and through doing that, uh, actually both of them were passed by a, another competitor, and so uh, instead of being first and second, or what what would have actually been first and disqualified likely, uh, they end up getting second and third, and, a, and another, another guy uh, wins the race and And that would not make any sense if you didn't know that Johnny and Alistair are brothers. Um, and so they, um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense when you understand that they're brothers that grew up together, trained together. Uh, and Alistair was joking after the race that he, he had to help Johnny because their mother would kill him if he didn't. Um, and, you know, they are part of the same family. Um, and it was uh, going to be Johnny's first major win of beating Alistair. And, and Alistair still allowed him to, uh, to have that. Um, and so, you know, families, families stick together, families take care of one another, there's security, uh, in families and, and really there should be, uh, the same attitude and the same, uh, feeling in our church because we truly are a family. Um, I got interested in this concept, uh, probably over the course of the last five years, I started noticing in Scripture just how much uh, affectionate language there is, uh, and it is juxtaposed against uh, a lot of the te- teachings that I had heard uh, emphasized, um, but I had never really heard people teach about the, the affection uh, that Paul, Peter, and John show towards basically anybody that believes. And it really confronted me, and I started thinking about it uh, because I realized I don't feel... Great affection for for every Christian that I meet, um, and I and I, you know, sometimes struggle uh, when I would get to parts of Scripture where Paul or John would would kind of just erupt in praise of God about what he was saying. Oftentimes, I would be confused. I I don't get why he's so excited. Uh, I get that he's saying some good stuff, but he seems to be. To be understanding something on a much deeper level than, than I was. Um, and through the course of researching and trying to understand what that was, I came across this concept that we are a family, and it has started to hit me in a lot of different ways. Uh, and it is just a very deep teaching uh, that I don't, uh, or that I had never really heard uh, taught uh, in, a, in a holistic uh, way. So, so that's what we're gonna do over the next uh, four weeks. Um, so our passage today is going to be Matthew 12, uh, it's gonna, verses 46 through 50. Um, and this this passage is is Jesus's first time to really establish the concept of believers being a family. Uh, and just to set up a little bit of the con- context of uh, chapter 12 and 13, uh, there are, there are a lot of like individual little stories in these two chapters, and, and it. It's kind of hard somehow or sometimes to see how they relate, but there are, there are two things uh, that jump out at me uh, in in these two chapters that that uh, Matthew is basically emphasizing from Jesus' teaching, and that is uh, that there's a special bond among believers, uh, and that basically all the Old Testament law and the rules uh, that their society was supposed to operate on were actually for the purpose of caring for uh, and providing for those that are followers of God, and that the, that this relationship is special uh, and exclusive. Um, and then the other uh, the other part of of this teaching is that not only is is there a special relationship, but also there's a special understanding. Uh, that those that follow God will see God and understand God in a, in a more deep way than those that don't. And if you're, if you're not seeking to follow God, you're not going to see him as he truly is. Um, and it's in the middle of these two chapters, emphasizing these two things, that we come to our passage. And so reading in verse uh, 46, it says, While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Uh, so let's, let's pray real quick. Uh, God, just thank you for this day. I thank you uh, for the opportunity to uh, share with your family. The family you've created, and uh, God, I just ask that we would be able to understand this teaching; uh, that would be clear in our minds and in our hearts, and that we would react to it in the way that you intended us to. Um, God, uh, I pray and hope that uh, we would feel the great security uh, that comes with being a part of your family and being a family here, and that we would take care of one one another, and that we would uh, love and honor you uh, as our Father. Uh, and as our um, as our brother uh, Lord and um, just thank you so much for this incredible opportunity uh, to not only know you and be forgiven by you uh, but to be accepted by you uh, in this way it's in your name I pray amen um, uh, something that for that period would have would have jarred them uh, in that culture because in 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 ancient Jewish culture, and really Greco-Roman culture in general, uh, the family unit was 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 probably or was the primary uh, relational unit of society. And what I mean by that is that respect of the family and loyalty to the family basically uh, had primacy over all other forms of relationship. And so it's not strange here that even though Jesus, a great teacher of the day, is in the middle of teaching people, he's in the middle of an event, it's not strange that when his family shows up, even though there's a big crowd listening to him, uh, that that crowd expects him to stop what he's doing and to attend to his immediate family. Because in that culture, that makes perfect sense. In our culture, you know, we're a bit more event-based and we might think that that's odd, but uh, it's important to understand that this culture uh, would have put priority on his family and would have seen themselves as, as secondary. And so, so when he says to them, uh, who is my mother and who are my brothers, that would have been really disrespectful in their minds. Uh, not un- if they d- didn't understand who he was as Christ, uh, and they're just starting to learn that at, at this point in, in, uh, in the New Testament, Uh, it would have really struck them as, oh, my goodness, he has just disrespected his mother and his brothers in in front of all of us. Um, And then he says something that would have seemed strange. Uh, He says uh, that the people that are my mother and my brothers and my sisters are those that do the will of my father. Uh, So he brings in this concept of family and he states that he has some, some other type of family that takes priority over his immediate earthly family. And so it would have shocked them, but it also would have gotten their attention. They would have pay, been paying attention after, after that, more so than maybe we would uh, if somebody, somebody were to do that today. And, you know, I think he did that on purpose to really get their attention and to show them that he's saying something. And from a theological perspective, it's not that surprising that God says... That, that his earthly mother and brothers are not his, his real family. Uh, and it's not surprising that he says God the Father is his real family. But from a theological perspective, it is surprising that he says that we, those that follow God the Father, are also part of his family. And, um, and so this is the, the first time that he really establishes the concept that we are a family and that we are part of the same family as God, uh, those of us that follow Him. And, and this being in the context of the ex- exclusivity of relationship that we have with God, uh, it is in the sense that we are a family. It does not mean that we can't love and care for people outside of the family, but there is still a special relationship that we share as a family, just like any family does. Um, so uh, then that raises the question, how can we be a family? Naturally, we are hostile to God. We are sinners. We know that from the fall. Um, And so uh, we are not naturally part of his family. And so there are three ways that the New Testament establishes that we are a family. So the first one is in Galatians 4, uh, and it's verses 4 through 7. And uh, I'm just going to read this. You guys can look at the monitors. Uh, It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So a couple of things, there are basically two things that adoption, uh, I, w- I want you guys to, to understand about adoption um, in, in Roman times. Uh, adoption was not just taking an orphan in and caring for that orphan. Uh, we think of that more in, in our culture, uh, but they would have done that and not necessarily adopted uh, an orphan. Uh, and it, and when they adopted, wasn't necessarily an orphan. What adoption was about in Roman culture uh, was was naming an heir, and and we see that in in Galatians, Paul is emphasizing that. Uh, in the end, he says that we are an heir through God, an heir of God, and so there's there's this concept of inheritance that we are sharing in the inheritance uh, of God, and and in. Romans, when Paul is talking about this, this explains why he kind of erupts into this moment of praise when he's talking about, oh, the riches that it is to be a believer. And he's talking about it in the context of we are adopted, we are receiving an inheritance. And so we deserve justice, but instead, instead of just forgiveness of sin, instead of just being um, relieved of the... um, the imputation of justice on us. It is more than that. The gospel is bigger. It is also a giving or a sharing of God's inheritance with us. And it's something that I I have, uh, I guess, felt convicted about that we don't emphasize enough when we share the gospel with people. There's a tremendous gift that is given through receiving the gospel. And when we communicate that, we need to emphasize that. And then the other aspect of adoption, so the first aspect of adoption is that it is about inheritance. Uh, in, in, in Roman culture, it was a legal designation for that purpose. Uh, the second part is it's, is it's given to somebody who's not naturally an heir. We're not naturally a part or we do not naturally deserve to be an heir. Uh, and so adoption is God making the decision of His own accord to make us His heirs. Uh, and to give us this great gift. Um, So that's the first way. The second way, I want you to turn, or you can look at the monitors, John 3. uh, I'm just going to do verses 5 and 6. Um, And it talks about, or it says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So, adoption is about us not deserving to be a part of the family of God, not deserving to have uh, or be heirs of God, and Him doing, uh, bringing us in. Uh, it's about the relieving of, of what we did deserve and getting something completely different. But rebirth is about regeneration, it's about healing. Uh, and it's about basically participating in in, in some senses, in some of the essence of what God is. He's making us like Him and making us anew. So it's more than just, I'm sick and He's healing me. He's taking us back and making us completely different to where we no longer uh, have any sickness. We no longer have any wounds. We are made like Him. And the real essence of this teaching is not that we will somehow be gods or be powerful, but that we would have his hearts now. That's the, the thrust in the Bible, um, that he takes what was a selfish uh, heart with a nature of sin and instead gives us a, a heart full of love with a nature that desires to please God, to honor God, and to please and honor each other. Uh, And it is, whereas sin is destructive, love is constructive. Uh, Sin defeats and wounds and seeks itself, uh, and love is the opposite in all of those categories. And in order to really relate to God, uh, we have to be remade or reborn. So, uh, we are adopted uh, and we are reborn. And then the third teaching in the Bible, I want to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, verses 31 and 32. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So first thing it says, this mystery is profound. So I'm not going to try to like explain it all because it's a mystery, <laughs> uh, and there are parts of this that I do not understand, um, and obviously Paul doesn't either. So don't expect me to figure it out. Um, but but anyway, in the context uh, of. Of this passage, Paul is really emphasizing uh, how men should treat their wives, and and he's talking about how men should should do things to help their wives be healthy, to be for them to be uh, made beautiful, uh, and it's for the purpose not of presenting them to the world, but for the purpose of presenting them to themselves. And so it's, it's in the context of, of, of real intimacy. And so a husband is to take care of his wife for the intimate purpose to prepare her for him. And it, it's, it's, it's that that Paul is trying to, to really get through. And then he's relating that to the church and saying really the bigger, the bigger concept to understand is that we're doing this to emulate what Christ is doing with us. And so it's a level of unity Uh, that doesn't exist in any other kind of uh, institution. Uh, And the two will become one flesh. And if you talk to uh, a married couple that's been married for 50 years, they don't just kind of know each other. They really know each other. And as different as they may be, in many ways, they are a team at that point, and they do things together. And in this uh, part or this concept, us being made one with Christ, in some eternal sense, we are eternally linked and one and united with Christ in a really intimate way. Uh, and I, I don't understand exactly how all that's going to work, but but He is washing us and preparing us for Him, and so you see this great intimacy that He communicates uh, to us, and. And just a couple of things to like think about with that you know on on thursday um i saw uh travis and libby's daughter uh when libby came in the door uh their daughter her her face lit up and she ran to libby like super excited to see her and my immediate thought was, why doesn't anybody do that when I walk in the door? <laughs> why doesn't Kurt do that for me? Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, I was kind of making a joke in my head. But uh, I thought about, you know, it is something really sweet and really special uh, that happens in families. And, and when, you, when you kind of read and you're thinking about this teaching and you see how God describes His reaction to us coming to faith and us coming to Him, it very much sounds the same way I would expect Libby to describe how that experience was for her when her daughter was running to her. Her daughter may have done some ridiculous things on Thursday, probably did, (laughs) probably caused some trouble, made some messes, and frustrated Libby, I'm sure, in some way. But uh, there's still this wonderful moment when there is true love communicated uh, from a child to a parent that that parent feels great joy. And and that is how God the Father feels about us when we approach Him with great love in spite of the messes we may have made that day. And our messes are probably a lot worse (laughs) than a, a toddler's messes, or they are. Uh, but He is still our Father. And and so it, it makes more sense when you think of it that way to kind of understand the reaction uh, of God to, towards us. Um, and so some other uh, things to think about. Over the course of this next uh, month... I would like to challenge you guys to be reading through the, the New Testament, and I don't really care where you pick, but I would just like you to pick some book. Uh, it can be short, it can be long, and just read through it. Um, and there are a couple of exceptions you can ask me uh, that don't emphasize this teaching quite as much, but almost all of them will refer in a lot of different ways to the concepts of us being brothers, and and when giving us instructions or telling us how to act or behave or what we need to do or or how uh, we should view things oftentimes the the writers will refer back to the fact that we are brothers as justification for how to view each other and so it is it is foundational in the way that we need to to understand uh, our world and the same is true that god the father i mean over and over again it repeats that That there's God the Father and God the Son, God the Father and God the Son. Uh, And so there are two distinct roles, God the Son being our brother and God the Father being our, our father, and God the Son being the firstborn. You know, in ancient families, the families were led by the father and the firstborn son. Those were the leaders of the family, and those are the leaders of our family. And so it's, it's, God is using uh, the cultural norms of the day, to, to explain how we are to relate to Him and to each other. And I want to challenge all of us to think through um, how this impacts everything. Uh, when we share the gospel, do we share it uh, as a list of, of things to do, uh, a list of things to believe? Um and do we include with that also an invitation to join us? Because really, according to the way the New Testament preaches this, uh, if somebody becomes a believer, they are joining our family. And do we really invite them like that? Because that started to really convict me. When I when I share the gospel, oftentimes I'm looking to get them to make a decision, but I'm not necessarily looking uh, or and when I was growing up, I did not look uh, to get them to join me in some way and to join with God in some way and then to react uh, and live differently with that as the foundation. And so, uh, you know, there's just a lot of really cool, interesting things to, to look at uh, and think about. And I just want to challenge you guys. You're not going to see the depth of this teaching uh, if you just listen to me talk uh, for four times. Uh, it is only through uh, meditating on some of these scriptures and really thinking through uh, how God is communicating to us uh, that it'll really hit or that it has hit me at least and I'm I would assume it would be the same for you uh, that there's just great depth uh, to what God is saying here about this uh, that we are part of an eternal family and we are uh, you know some of the security that we talk about and that we try to argue sometimes from a factual basis of there's this verse that says we're secure in salvation, you know, at, at a much uh, broader view, like if we're part of a family, families can't be, uh, you know, they can be bad families, they can be arguing, but they're still family. So, there's great security offered in this, um, and, uh, and great affection. It explains the affection of the New Testament in a, in a new way that I think is is underemphasized. So, so today is Father's Day, and I did not plan uh, that this would be Father's Day, that I was opening this. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't want to diminish in any way uh, the earthly family that we have. Those responsibilities are real. Uh, these are two real families. I don't want people to think that the spiritual family is a metaphor or less important. It is It is a real family, and it is more important. Um but all the same ways that we're supposed to treat God the Father, in many ways we are supposed to treat our fathers and honor them in many of the same ways. So uh, for today, that's another thing to think about is it's a great opportunity to do that. Uh, So uh, let's pray. God, I just thank you uh, for who you are, and uh, I thank you for the depth of your word. I thank you that Uh, Every year that that I study and and learn from you, I just realize that there are new things that that are amazing to behold, uh, that there's great beauty to the gospel, uh, and it is multifaceted, and your truth has answers for all of our needs, uh, all of our desires. uh, Our deepest needs and desires can only be met. Uh, by understanding and following you in the way that y- that you are teaching us through your word. And God, I just ask that you would open our eyes. I ask that we would see you in truth. I ask that we would see each other in truth. And I just ask for help and courage as we live in such, a, such an individualistic society that we would be able uh, to understand how to change. Because I know as I have looked at this, I struggle with sometimes even knowing where to start uh, to start acting more like what you've called me to be, and God, I just ask that you would help show us uh, how to make steps to become truly a family, a family that attracts, uh, that people want to join our church because they really want to be a part of who we are, uh, and that they see the intense intimacy and affection uh, and the real bonds uh, that we have, and uh, and that they see that it's different, and, and that it's... Um, rooted in something strong, and that even if they don't know what that is, uh, that in time that would draw them to you as our root uh, and our strength. And God, I just praise you uh, for the tremendous opportunity to be part of your family um, and the tremendous honor that you have bestowed on us. Um, it, is, it is truly a blessing that, that I, I don't know that we can fully understand until the next life. Uh, God, you are holy, and you are great, uh, and we love you. It's in your name. Amen.